Welcome to another episode of Strange Places. I'm your host, Tom Allen. Each episode, I sit down and chat with interesting new guests about their travel experiences, along with many other topics. Every episode has something totally new with fresh perspectives from different types of travelers. I learn a lot from hearing stories and tips from travelers who do things a little differently than I do, and I think you will too. Strange Places is brought to you by FlightsMachine.com, a service that sends you incredibly cheap airfare deals for your home airport. With deals like 315 round trip to Venice, Italy, or 280 round trip to Hawaii, you can save hundreds each time you book and use all that leftover money on the actual trip. Visit flightsmachine.com slash strange places for 50% off your first six months. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for joining us. Okay, I've got Ross Thompson here with me and Anthony Mara. Um, I will introduce the two of you real quick. Um, Ross is a photographer, a landscape photographer, would you say? Yep. Yeah, mostly landscape. And uh, adventure, traveler. Um, And him and Anthony have traveled around a bit together. You guys were... Where'd you guys travel together? In Italy? and Yeah, we went to Italy and Switzerland three years ago, and then... A lot of places in the western United States. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great Basin. Um, just kind of random places in Nevada. Yeah, right on. Arizona. Okay. So, welcome, Ross. And Anthony, I've known for a little while. Uh, he's a just crazy adventurer. I've been following you on Instagram and just always flabbergasted by how much running and climbing and everything that you're doing pretty weird adventures yeah overall uh you were in new zealand recently on a um a sponsored trip right Mm -hmm. what was the prize that you won for that um it was the kyle dempster solo adventure award cool right Um, on basically just supporting human powered solo adventures sweet so on that trip i was on a bicycle with a trailer carrying a surfboard skis and climbing gear biking the length of new zealand and Climbing peaks, skiing them, surfing. Yeah, we got to talk about that yeah, during sure. this sesh. But, um, so it's Kyle, who was it? Kyle Dempster. Kyle Dempster. Yeah. Um, you might know, like two years ago, um, it was pretty big news. Him and Scott Adamson uh, died on a big wall in Pakistan, the Ogre 2. Mm. And um, it's a pretty big deal. Hit the climbing community hard in Salt Lake City. So his family, friends, and sponsors set up a solo adventure award in his name because he was pretty famous for these big human powered epic trips right on yeah yeah i think i remember hearing about that but i wasn't familiar with with his name Mm -hmm. quite yet but that's awesome yeah i'm sure people more people will learn his name through that Mm -hmm. hopefully cool um so when you guys were traveling together was that the first time you met or had had you guys known each (laughs) other that was a that. pretty funny story, actually. I was um, so I was hiking uh, the Pfeiffer Horn, a pretty popular mountain here in the Wasatch Range, um, just one day with a bunch of my coworkers, and this uh, super ripped, sweaty, redheaded guy just comes like blazing up the trail. <laughs> I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And he just walks up. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? 
And we just get to chatting and he's like, yeah, I just moved here yesterday. You know, I'm from Maryland, blah, blah, blah. I'm just trying to make some friends. And this seemed like a pretty cool mountain. And I I had just moved from Salt Lake City or or to Salt Lake City from Pennsylvania about a year before that. Mm -hmm. Um, So my immediate reaction was, oh, yeah, you know, I'll take you under my wing. You know, I'll show you around. Like I was just just getting into climbing and I was like, "I'll, I'll take you climbing, do this and that. And yeah, that's where it all began. Cool. I was very right appreciative, on. Ross. Like when I first moved here, well, so it was my second day in, in Utah. The first day I went and tried to hike a 11,000 foot peak called Twin Peaks. And yeah. I got search and rescue called on me by people like down low. So I had no idea what I was doing, like complete Gumby, you know, in the mountains. Uh-huh. And then I met Ross and he's like, hey, come rock climbing. And like, oh, that sounds crazy. Like, I, I don't want to rock climb. But it's like, oh, I'll just try it. And then from there, friendship just kind of like spiraled into this like crazy adventure, like friendship. And we've had a lot of cool stories since then. Wow. Yeah. Wild adventures. For yeah. sure. What year did you move here? Four years ago. Four years ago. Mm-hmm. And you were a Gumby at that point? I'd never camped in my life. Holy shit, man. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Yeah, it come a long way since then, but like the first time I ever basically camped was when I moved to Utah. First time I climbed anything, but luckily I had like friends like Ross who were like super stoked and just willing yeah. to take a you know complete noob under yeah. their wing. Yeah. To be honest, I was a pretty Gumby, and I would say some transplants here to Utah kind of like did the same with me. Yeah. You know? Because, like, I think Ryan Rombo taught me how to climb, and, uh, you know, he's not even from Utah, and I was, and I had never climbed. So, um, yeah, that's super interesting that you just have recently gotten into all that stuff, but are, you're just Transplants, man, you it. know, they're, they're super stoked on exploring their environment, especially, uh-huh. like, when you get to Utah and your mind is just blown by the Wasatch. It's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. That was pretty much in the same boat. I mean, I was a hardcore computer nerd all through college i mean 16 hours of any given day behind the computer screen playing world of warcraft wasn't (laughs) out of the question oh okay yeah i was pretty big into skateboarding and snowboarding um but getting outside and snowboarding was about as outdoorsy as i would get Mm -hmm. and when i first moved here one of my buddies started taking me climbing at the front and Ever since I got into climbing, it was just like, you know, one advent, one adventure, one sport after the next. And, you know, yeah, there. that's awesome. So how soon after you guys like met up and started hanging out and doing stuff, did you go to Italy? First year, maybe. Yeah, I think it was uh, trying to think. We went to Italy in 2015. Yes. So, yeah, it was about a year. Uh-huh. Like, so this all started with rock climbing. Like I got Anthony into rock climbing and we started going climbing together, but Anthony being, you know, the full throttle badass that he is rock climbing, of course, wasn't enough. So he had to take it to the next step. Um, and he started getting into mountaineering. Um, and it was the Utah climbing club was the club that you joined. Yeah. So he joined the Utah climbing club, um, started climbing mountains. And then he's like, dude, you got to come climb mountains with me. And, you know, we can get on some crazy stuff. And I'm like, ah, that sounds cold. Like, do I really want to do that? 
And eventually he, uh, he convinced me to get into mountaineering. So I joined the club. Um, we did a couple of mountains together and then it was just like, it was like three months into mountaineering. He's like, do you want to climb the Matterhorn? I was like in Switzerland. He's like, he's like, yeah. And I'm like, don't you mean the Pfeiffer horn? (laughs) Right. I was like, I was like, you're talking about the Matterhorn. Like that's a pretty deadly mountain. He's like, yeah, no, it'll be fine. It took me, a, you know, probably three or four weeks of him trying to convince me it was a good idea to finally agree. But, yeah, then we started planning that trip, and that was one hell of an adventure. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. It was just, it was so funny how we, like, met on a peak called, like, the Little Matterhorn. Yeah. And then, like, my work was sending me to Italy for six weeks, and Ross wanted to travel abroad and, and you know, check out Italy, and then just, like, had this really dumb idea to go climb the Matterhorn with like a year of mountaineering experience and I don't even know if it was a year of mountaineering experience it was like six months yeah in hindsight maybe a stupid idea but you know I I think it was a great idea it was a a pretty amazing unforgettable adventure for sure so why why the Matterhorn what what got that (laughs) well so I was just like I was in Italy and I was just looking up like I'd never even heard of the Matterhorn before, honestly. Like, it just wasn't... Being an East Coaster, just had no clue about any mountains whatsoever. And then I just, like, was looking at mountains in Italy, and then I just saw this, like, perfectly pointy peak. Like, the... Like, when you hear... See a little kid draw a picture of a mountain, like, mm-hmm. in school, like, they draw the Matterhorn. Like, it's the perfect peak. And it's like, wow, that looks really cool. Like, I bet Ross will want to climb it, and... Then we just started like making plans to climb this really hardcore peak. Let's not forget to mention that it's regarded as the sixth most deadliest mountain in the world. Not because of like technical abilities, but mostly because of idiot climbers like Anthony and myself Uh, at the time. um, So in terms of attempts, it has the sixth highest percentage of just people dying. Not percentage. I guess number of casualties. Oh, number because okay. Mount Washington's like number three, like okay. in in New Hampshire. Yeah, you know. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's just number of deaths. It's just but, Gumby deaths. Yeah, but padded. But the Matterhorn was serious. It was. It was just, serious. I've, yeah. yeah I, like you, it seems like what is the, what's the setup? How do you how do you get to the top? I would say it's four thousand feet of about five five. Yeah, four thousand yeah, feet of about like five five. Yeah, and so like. And it's not just five five, like it's pretty risky. It's it's a lot of exposure. And yeah. in most areas on that climb, if you fall, you'll probably die. Yeah. And yeah. rock fall and ice. And it's not really protected either. I mean, we were roped up and they have like the way they do it out there is they have like peg systems. So they mm-hmm. have just like random pegs in the in the rock and the leader would climb up like I don't know. 50 or 60 feet wrap the rope around a peg and kind of just like hand belay the next guy up to that point Mm. and then you just keep switching so like even if you did fall on that section you might not die there but you would probably get hurt Mm -hmm. and then you have to reverse it and that's where most people die is reversing the 4,000 feet of 5.5 so down climbing it and you you don't repel it 
No, it would take too long. Oh, you yeah, because it would just be so... Yeah. We repelled some of it. We did. We weren't supposed to. But we got yeah. lost. We yeah, got we got really lost. lost. And you think it's just like this perfect ridge, and uh-huh. it'd be so straightforward, but it was not. Yeah. And we got benighted and ended up, oh, yeah, we can make it down to Zermatt. Um, it was like 9 p.m. at this point, and Zermatt's like another three or four hours hike down. <laughs> so we're like going down the mountain hallucinating. Oh, no. And well, like, so so the original plan, let me back up here a second. The original plan was that we had envisioned that we would only take eight or nine hours to climb the peak, which was pretty outlandish for our lack thereof <laughs> experience. Um, and the the lift, you have to take a lift up like halfway up the mountain um, to get to the point where you start hiking to the Hernley Hut. That's the base camp. Um, and the lift closes at 4 p.m. So we were planning on being done at like noon or 1 p.m. and having just enough time to get down to the lift, and then you take that lift like an extra three or four miles or something like that down to the town. But we, since we got so lost, we didn't even end up getting back to the Hernley Hut until 9 p.m., Mm-hmm. five hours after the lift had closed but we're both super stubborn people and we're just like dude i'm not staying here again it was like it was like 350 euros a person a so we're like we'll just hike back down to zermatt it's only going to be another six hours of hiking like we can do it but we definitely didn't do it <laughs> you, i'll let you take the reins here dude the hut was 350 euros a yeah night. it's crazy it's like so catered to like just like really fancy mountaineering you oh i mean it's nice God. you know it was pretty nice that's outrageous but though. when we got to the hut they're like oh we thought you might have died like but we saved a room for you just in case and we have a meal for you and we're like nah we're not paying like yeah. we're cheap bastards yeah so we start hiking down of course and our family's like freaking out you in know? the dark yeah yeah and um we're like hallucinating and we're like, i just go one more hour then finally we both just like gave up we're like we're just gonna sleep on the side of the mountain no it was sleeping. 19 and a half hours at that point of, oh, of basically like almost all climbing yeah. not like not like hiking yeah uh, a few hours of hiking down to that point but uh, at least a solid 12 or 13 hours of climbing and like really draining stressful climbing mm-hmm. like thinking you're gonna die you know so what do you have in terms of sleeping gear we had ropes yeah. yeah, we had <laughs> jackets, jackets and yeah. ropes. The ropes were our pillows, and we wore our down jackets and our Gore-Tex pants, and uh, yeah, that was about it. That was a pretty cold night. We slept in like plank mode with like the ropes as blankets. Yeah, and I just remember waking up probably ten times in the night, just eating chocolate, just like oh, I'll stay warm if I just keep eating. Yeah. Um. Oh man, it was miserable. Then then woke up and. Ross was like in a complete plank position with this rope on him, his head in his jacket. And there's just this beautiful sunrise coming over the Alps. And it was like perfect moment because I was like, yeah, we survived and we yeah. made it. it was yeah, awesome. we got a picture of that. We'll have to show you. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Okay. I want to see that. We'll have to put it in the in the blog post. Okay. Yeah. There we go. So, cool. Um, you guys barely alive at, at sunrise, like stoked. <laughs> when we walked back into town and like... Yeah, we were pretty stoked. That was a it was a, it was an it was the definition of an epic yeah, for us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right on. So, 
where else did you guys go during that trip? How long were you out there? Uh, so we started off, um, flew into Milano, <clears throat> excuse me, flew into Milano uh, to meet Anthony. And the first place we went to was uh, Arco. Um, and that's a pretty famous uh, world-renowned destination for sport climbing. That was like, at the time, my big thing was sport climbing. Anthony's mm-hmm. was more mountaineering. So to kind of meet that that compromise, I was like, oh, I really want to go to Arco and sport climb. So we went to Arco first, um, and then we went to the Dolomites. That was another adventure that we should probably talk about. Um, and then after the Dolomites, we went uh, over to Zermatt uh, strictly for the Matterhorn, uh, and that, that was the last destination on that trip. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah, we did some Via Ferratas in, in Arco, really cool one that went through like a, a canyon, and then yeah. went to the Dolomites. And I had to actually convince Ross to go to the Dolomites, which is just ridiculous. And I think like now... It was really far. It was like a 15-hour drive. Yeah, but like the Dolomites, come on. And They're he, amazing. Yeah. They were great. Favorite places and then once the we world. got there, he was like, oh, I see. Like, yeah. Yeah, and was, you were in... What was the name of the town? Kanazai. Kanazai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just talking. You were um, pretty close to where me and Annette were, were staying down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Val Gardena and, and just anywhere in the Dolomites is so incredible. Yeah. It's a really beautiful it's, place. It's it's like out of all the mountain range I've visited, I think it's still in my top three. Yeah. For sure. You know what's one in my top three is the Wind River Range. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's so amazing. It's epic. The winds I, are great. I think so many Americans just have no idea that's sitting here. And it's like just an epic amazing place yeah it's hard though it's a hard place to you can't just roll you can't in can't drive up to it it's definitely not yeah, for you, the faint of heart yeah you can't just drive up to it you can't show up when the mosquitoes are in like an infestation and stuff so it's it's a bit of a treacherous place but it's an amazing do you go like to the cirque or which part of it have you been i've done two trips i did a seven day backpacking trip around there and we we did all kinds of stuff. We actually we tried to scramble um, Mount Hooker. There. Okay, yeah, that, it was the me big and, square peak. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's Square Top. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> Hooker's like yeah, it's it sits back by there's a there's like Pyramid Mountain and Pyramid Lake. Okay. And those are on the Continental Divide, and Hooker is this huge amphitheater on the Continental Divide. And but the other side of it is like pretty mellow sloping rock mm-hmm. face, or, or so we thought. You know, looking at it, it was very deceiving. And we were all back there. It was me and me, James Rowe, and Dan Krause that we all decided. You know, let's try and get to the top, as you do. And um, we started scrambling up the the right hand side, like lookers right, and then working our way up the ridge. And poking our head out over the amphitheater, which was amazing because there was so much wind like ripping through the the face of that thing. But we got higher and higher. And then pretty soon we all like lost track of our risk assessment. And just all of a sudden we were all like in kind of panic mode of like, shit, we're in way over our head. And we just climbed into something that we are really uncomfortable with down climbing and that's when we all were just like we're done we're not getting to the summit because this is like 
you know, we did like one pitch of probably five, seven climbing, but it was big and it was a corner and coming back down. That was so scary. It was just like, we were so high up there. We were two days hike in. And so, you know, if something happened, we were in a really bad spot. Oh yeah. I don't think we had a rescue beacon either. (laughs) Well, so the thing about climbing sometimes is it's, it's usually way easier to get up than it is to get down. You know, you're looking at something you're like, Oh, I can scramble right up that. No problem. But you're not really thinking sometimes what's it going to be like on the way down. And that's, that's where you can really get yourself into trouble sometimes. Yeah. I, I would say it's always the rule of thumb is that if you're struggling at all, getting up it, you're going to have a hell of a time getting down it. I learned this concept, um, in an avalanche book that I'm reading. It's called, um, like pre-mortem and like, you know, post-mortem, like someone dies, they analyze mm-hmm. the cause of death and pre-mortem is, it's not like that serious, but it's more like you think about what would happen ahead of time if you made a certain decision mm-hmm. and it's a good way to keep your risk tolerance in check. And so you don't commit to things like a huge alpine scramble at 6 p.m. because you're thinking about what's going to happen when you get to the top way mm-hmm. ahead of time. It causes you to think it back off. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think I have that naturally ingrained in my uh-huh. brain. That's where good. I'm, I'm like pretty cautious. But I, you develop that as you've gotten into it, yeah? Uh, I don't know. So you're saying it's like a... I don't know. Is it? It's the concept of you just visualizing what can go wrong exactly. in the situation. Exactly. Yeah, I think I I do that too much <laughs> for me, and like that's one of the reasons I have trouble mountain biking uh-huh. really hard because I just I feel so. Uh, I just feel like mountain biking. I'm gonna die the whole time yeah. when I'm like charging down something or, or you know, but the more you do it, the less you feel that way, and so then you have to check yourself like Balance what you're it. saying yeah, yeah or it takes so. an injury yeah yeah i don't do it enough for sure yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i can i can say test. that uh we've definitely had a few adventures where we could have stood to to benefit from that that yeah, yeah. we did not but yeah. that's like just newbie like summit fever i think i've summit fever absolutely yeah i think i've been better at keeping myself in check especially with like all the weird solo things i've been doing lately got to start to otherwise you're you're not going to go very far yeah (laughs) i've gotten pretty good at it um because anthony and i have just gone on way too many adventures where we get ourselves into these situations and i've actually coined a term for these adventures and they're called anth ventures yeah (laughs) so it's like if you're going on an adventure with anthony like okay, is this going to be an adventure or is this going to be an anth venture? <laughs> yeah. We've had a lot of anth ventures, but they've been fun. And, and honestly, like sometimes you need that kind of stuff to keep reality in check. You learn from mm-hmm. your mistakes and then you know what not to do next time. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never let that go. <laughs> nice. So you guys said you've done some travel in the West. Here, where, what places come to mind first we've done a lot of a lot of travel um in southern utah um we've climbed some towers in moab uh we've climbed some peaks in the la salles um did some mountaineering in the la salles as well uh some stuff in colorado we've gone ice climbing in colorado a few times 
the and, uh, Great Basin ranges, oh, like yep. in Nevada. We went and I'm I'm a big fan of like climbing these peaks called ultra prominent peaks. Mm-hmm. And there's 57 in the U.S. It's basically a measurement of a peak's prominence from its summit to its surrounding. Yeah. So Nevada's like true a, prominence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Nevada's a very um, topographically prominent state, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, it's got a lot of like those types. Yeah, because there's some huge mountains exactly. in Great Basin, which I didn't realize. Yeah, but... Wheeler Peak, and then you have North Shell and mm-hmm. Star Peak and Arc Dome, and no one's heard of these peaks. So we'll go out to them and go ski them or climb them. Yeah, and it's just they're like... kind of mellow though, right? They're, yeah, they're, they're not like some of them jagged. are gentle. Yeah, um, they're just huge. They're like Kilimanjaro style. Yeah, yeah, but the. And the approaches aren't so bushwhacky because it's Nevada, you know? Yeah. Lots of rocks. Lots of rocks. And Lots of solitude, too. Yeah. It's not, that's another great thing about adventures in Nevada is, like, mm-hmm. most of the time you won't see a single soul, especially if it's a peak that Anthony decided to climb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and ski off and, yeah. Yeah, it, I, I hear they, uh, there's a lot of astronomy meetups there as well because it's some of the darkest yeah. sky. In oh, the in Great Basin National Park. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Shot some photos there. I can confirm that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you do a lot of really awesome uh, long exposure night shots, right? Yeah, I do a lot of, uh, a lot of astrophotography, specifically like Milky Way because I guess astrophotography yeah. is a pretty broad term. But... Uh-huh. <clears throat> cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've shot the Milky Way a couple of times out in Great Basin. It's, it's an amazing place and it's for a national park. Uh, it, it doesn't really see the amount of traffic that most national parks do. No, it's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Yeah, I was going to say that there's nothing there. There's like Baker outside of Great Basin. I think there's like a hundred people that live there or something like that. Yeah. Baker is near it. Uh, not Baker, Utah. Baker, California, or no? Oh, no. Nevada. Baker, Nevada. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never heard of that. It's yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, there's like a hundred people that live there. That's like the closest okay. town. I thought you were talking Baker, California, Mm-mm. which is quite a ways, but. Um, and it's got Nevada's only glacier. Oh, really? Yeah. For now. For for now, yeah. It, it's pretty much like just a rock glacier, but um, you can tell like there's some some ice underneath all some that. Some steam comes out when you walk over. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but yeah. Yeah. Right on. So, um, I, I really want to go and travel out there. You uh, should. I, I haven't been to Great Pace. And, and to be honest, I didn't even know it was there most of my life because I think it's just such a low-key park. It is. I mean, uh, it, it just doesn't have, like, I don't know why. Cause it doesn't have an iconic thing. But, yeah. The, right? Then you think about it, and there's this bristlecone forest. The bristlecone forest there is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, and like, 3,000 old year old trees right yeah and and cool. there was one tree it was the oldest living tree it's called they call it prometheus yeah and i think someone cut it down actually what recently really? um i didn't know la- that within the last 10 years yeah oh my wow. god but it's cool like you have the Lehman caves which are these like uh, really badass like limestone caves yeah and then you have a glacier you have bristlecone pines mm-hmm. um there's some like mountain lion activity there. And then you have the night photography and the night sky. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's a cool place to check out. I like it. And there's mm-hmm. like, uh, there's a couple of other parts of the park. I think one reason that it's not super popular is because it's like a very condensed area, but for the main attractions, but there are some other attractions at the park that you can go to and you can just get total solitude. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. Um, yeah. What other what other spots have you guys checked out together or I either? Oh man, I with anywhere within like an eight hour radius of Salt Lake City, I can like yeah. I've been plenty of times and explored, and there's just so much around here. It's like it's a good it, hub. Yeah, it is. I'm sure this is like a very um, common theme with talking about Salt Lake City, like just like how accessible everything is within an eight hour radius. And yeah, it's pretty solid. And I I think I personally have done a lot of research in terms of looking at where there's other cities that have this close or this good of access to a legit mountain range. Mm hmm. And it's very, very few cities. Like yeah. Milan is kind of one, but the mountains are, I don't know. It's Where kind of debatable. At? Huh? Where Milan, is that at? Like Italy. Mil Milano. Oh, Milano. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, or like Santiago, Chile. Mm -hmm. But those are those are big cities and they're, I don't know, they're not quite the same thing. Yeah. So um, I would say you got Reno. I think Reno is pretty good. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Reno. Because you have the Sierras are pretty close, and you have, like, the Great Basin area. Yeah. Um, I want to say... Innsbruck is, like, right in the Alps, Inns which is, like, Innsbruck, Austria. Okay. That's another city I would say is, like, close, but much smaller than Salt Lake. Yeah. In terms of... Yeah. And it's it just an interesting thing I've, like, looked into as, like... Try to, a city of like a million people right up against the mm -hmm. mountains, which is pretty rare. What is um? What's the population of Bozeman? I don't know. Montana? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's nearly as big as Salt Lake. No, but for that's sure. It's a big city though, too. It's a big city, but yeah. I think it's got that that kind of same vibe. But yeah, we are in a we are in a really solid hub. Mm -hmm. I, I like living here. At least I grew up here and I've stuck around. So have you been to the Pacific Northwest? Uh, I've been to Seattle and, and like Portland and some of the surrounding areas, but uh, oh, man. I haven't explored it enough. I think that would be the next place I would move out of Salt Lake. I'm yeah. thinking the same thing. Really. Yeah. That's one area that Anthony and I haven't explored together, but we've both done a lot of solo adventures there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I rode my, my bike from, from Canada to Mexico with my skis on my bike and climbing gear, basically biked to every like major cascade peak yeah skied it and climbed it so i spent three months on a bicycle with skis and cascades and fell in love like it's it's the perfect place for a ski mountaineer or someone just into that style of nature like more evergreen trees and, uh -huh. um, i definitely i remember i was following you when you were doing that and i think you were pretty sad when you like left the pacific oh Northwest. yeah man it, i was so sad you're like shit do i really need to go all the way through California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like actually not stoked to go to California and people are like, You're crazy, like the Sierras. And it's like, but the Cascades are like mind blowingly beautiful. They're amazing. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Too much sun in California. <laughs> yeah. It's dry. It's sunny. Well if you're biking being on across, a bicycle. Yeah. In in Southern California it's crazy. Like I was like thinking that it would be just the easy and like the worst place to bike through and it was. But actually, that's where I had my two panniers on my bike, my bike bags. They were mm -hmm. eaten by a bear in Southern California. 
Oh, really? Yeah. It's like where I had my weirdest wilderness experience. Oh, crazy. Like just waking up and a bear was eating my bike bags. <laughs> did did he like run off with them? Yes. Or... both. Oh, of really? Them. Yep. And I lost like my journal, my Kindle, oh, all shit. my food, my stove. And it's just like, why in Southern California? Why couldn't this happen in the Cascades or something? Yeah, where it's like way more rugged yeah. right now in California. Yeah. It's just like such a weird place, Southern California. I'm surprised you didn't turn into like the old prospector guy who's like trying to kill the bear who has his journal. You I know? felt like it. Yeah. I, I followed that bear for hours. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like, I'm getting that back. <laughs> With I what, you a had big some rock. bear spray. I had bear spray. Yeah. But like just bear spray him and pull yeah, the Or just yell at it. Yeah. It's a Southern California black bear. I don't know how aggressive they'd be. Yeah. So probably stupid in hindsight, but I was just like, throw some sand at it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was a crazy trip. You how many peaks did you twenty six. Hit twenty six? Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yep. That yep. sounds exhausting. It was, but I was just so stoked every day, like waking up to the, like these volcanoes, these glaciated volcanoes mm-hmm. and just like, I couldn't, it's hard to sleep, you know, it's just like yeah. so stoked on exploring a cool place like that. What was, um, what was your favorite area in the Northwest? Oh man. The Olympic Peninsula. Yeah. Is, I'm going to have to second I've, that. I've heard this before, actually, the Olympic Peninsula keeps coming up oh my god man. it's crazy yeah. it's so biodiverse really? it's just the wildest place like you're on the coast but there's also a rainforest with like huge mountains and glaciers behind it yeah hmm. yeah the the olympic peninsula is spectacular and then you can't beat north cascades national park which is another park similar to like great basin mm-hmm. like where no one really goes there and no one really talks about it yeah but when you get there it's just like you know how like how has this place not been discovered yeah 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 the north cascades is uh it's a skier mountaineer dream Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i did a i did like a 15 day road trip uh in june of last year actually and that was the highlight of my trip I, i spent four days there and it was incredible i also went in like the super early season so there wasn't a lot of trails open, which was kind of a bummer, but there was no one there. It was great. Mm-hmm. It's just riding my bike around all the time. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have done a decent amount of uh, traveling around. Have you guys traveled solo? Yeah, uh, I, I travel solo quite a bit. Um, it's probably the majority of my travel. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I, I love traveling solo. I know you and I were talking about it earlier, but... Um, I find solo travel to just be extremely liberating. Mm-hmm. You know, my girlfriend and I talk about it, about how, you know, we love traveling together with, with each other, but at the same time, we've had the conversation where it's like, you know, one of us can go travel by ourselves if we ever want to. And if the other one has to work or whatever, we can just take off and, it creates a different kind of experience for sure. You know, you're not going to mm-hmm. get the same kind of experience traveling with someone else as you would solo, but it also goes to say that vice versa. If you're traveling with a partner, you might have these experiences where you might not have solo. You know, you, you might be more inclined to do something crazy if you have someone next to you, whereas if you're traveling solo, you might be a little more risk averse. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Yeah, I think for me, it's just that 
I can literally spend any amount of time doing whatever I want. Like when I wake up, if I, you know, I wake up in a hostel and I want to just go and like read a book on a grassy hill, I can just do that, Yeah. you know, and I don't have to talk to anyone. And that's really nice. Like one day in Stockholm, I think I just like went to a museum for an hour and a half and then like sat on a hill and read a book and stayed there for like three hours and it was amazing and it was a memorable experience but just the solitude of being by yourself somewhere where you don't know a single person and where you're just kind of independent and doing your own thing is yeah. is really and liberating there's, there's so much stimulation in it too mm-hmm. um and lack yeah yeah stimulation <laughs> yeah can be uh, it, when you go a couple of days without talking yeah or, you know like True. hardly talking to but anyone i think that's when you learn most about yourself um it's when you travel solo yeah it's when you really dig deep inside yourself and you really figure out things that you would never even think of like being with another partner i think when you're traveling with another person you realize how you interact with other people in stressful situations or mm-hmm. good situations but when you travel solo you you learn the most about yourself yeah yeah it's it's easy to see your own shortcomings when you're the only one there right (laughs) yeah you you have to be self-reflective otherwise you're going to fail Mm -hmm. for sure big time i like that i i think um yeah it for me it was it was that and i i traveled solo like for a i did a three-month trip alone when I was like 20, 21 or 22 in Europe. And it was, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Have you ever had a a, trip where it was like you traveled solo and it wasn't awesome? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I definitely had, I've had spots where it was like difficult or weird things happened, you know? Um, sometimes, everything just goes wrong. (laughs) And when you're by yourself, it's so much harder because like, if you get into a dark place, there's no one to pull you out. Yeah. Where like, if I'm with a, with a friend that knows me and they can tell I'm like bummed, they'll just be like, well, it could be worse, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I, I remember what comes to mind is, um, I showed up in Budapest when I was like 22 and I was very inexperienced traveling, but this was like a month and a half into my trip. So I was kind of, you know, I, I was just like wandering around Europe at this point, <laughs> showed up in Budapest with no plans, no, nothing really booked. And, or I think I had a place kind of booked, but I had no money. And, and in Budapest, they like really wanted you to pay with, I believe it was their currency. And, it's like Kronos. And so I went to a, um, you know, it was late, really, it was dark. And I went to an ATM and I started pulling out, like I pulled out too much money and I was in a bad neighborhood and I turned around and there were like seriously eight prostitutes all like half circle just surrounded me. (laughs) And they were like, like some people's dreams, yeah. <laughs> some people's nightmares. And they, they just saw me like pull out a lot of money in the wrong part of town. And they were like this, you know, 
22 year old kid is about to pay for a blowjob or something. And so they were all, you know, really trying to get my business and I was just fighting them off and they wouldn't believe me that I was not interested at all. And so I finally like just ducked into some random, uh, hostel, but it was full and they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't let me stay anywhere. And so they, I, um, I think I booked another place and then I went back out on the street and the whole town was just, was just locked down. It was just so quiet and it was, it was pretty late, you know, it was midnight or something. And in Budapest businesses, I believe are not allowed to have signs, which is so, or, or maybe it's just hostels. It must just be hostels. And so the hostel that I booked didn't have a sign anywhere. And it was all these like big, you know, Eastern block style buildings with, uh, um, you know, nondescript just numbers on them. And I had no idea where I was and I was so hungry and tired and just was like having a bad night. Mm -hmm. And, and I finally ended up, um, going to a McDonald's, the last, you know, stronghold of freedom (laughs) (laughs) for a lost American. And it was open like super late and they always have Wi-Fi. That's why, why I was there. And I got the Wi-Fi and, hit up some hostel. It was turtle something. It was a weird name. And the guy was like, we're totally booked, but come and just sleep on our futon. And so I like headed over there and he let me in and I was like, so grateful. He just gave me the futon for free. And I was like, super stoked about it. But yeah, that was a time when I think in those situations, when you're you're walking around, I, I was walking around for two and a half hours and it, that's not that big of a deal, but it's like so soul crushing and just, you're like totally alone and it's, it's really annoying. And just think if you had a person with you, like how different that experience would have been. Mm -hmm. Like it would have made, it would have probably been funny. Yeah. Maybe to a degree. Yeah. But it, yeah. So what, um, what experiences have, have you guys had that's been, I guess, either, maybe bad travel experiences or, or just weird stuff that's happened. I've had a lot more like, um, I've definitely had a lot more positive experiences. Um, probably 95% positive and 5% like really bad. It's never like, never really in the medium. It's always Mm -hmm. like extremes for sure. (laughs) Especially solo travel. I, I I say a lot of times when people ask me what, solo travels like and i talk a lot about peaks and valleys um just like highs and lows Mm -hmm. and and it's it's very like oscillatory you know up and down up and down um so yeah i've had some really good ones and my friend um coined it uh serendipity like um a series of fortunate events that work out in your favor Mm -hmm. um and i those are my favorite experiences traveling solo and, um, a couple, like a good example I've got, um, that was like a really bad experience that turned into like a super positive one. Um, and it's just like, it's continued from there and kind of spiraled. Um, so I was in the Cascades and the Enchantment Range, um, which is a really rugged mountain range in Washington. And, um, I was trying to climb a peak called Mount Stewart, trying to ski it. And it's, um, pretty technical, 
um, really remote. I tried from the north side, failed because I got scared on a glacier, turned around, mm-hmm. had to bike 150 miles around the mountain and go up the south side. And I got stuck in a storm um, at the trailhead after biking on this 50 mile dirt road. So sleeping in a pit toilet. Yeah. Like, oh no. Yeah. Just like super low moment for me. Like just the smell of shit. Yeah. Oh my like God. the storm is like, it's worse than shit. The yeah. smell of a pit toilet. Is oh yeah. Worse it's than, like shit. It's cubed. everyone's shit. <laughs> pickled. And it's pretty shitty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in this pit toilet and just like hating life. Like so, so miserable. And I wake up in the morning, just like got this bike and sleeping bag in this pit toilet. And I poke my head out and there's this like this old man. He's like probably mid sixties and his two old friends who are like in their eighties. They had like skis on their back. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, were you guys just like back entry skiing? Like a bunch of like old guys and they were like super hardcore looking. It's like, yeah, what are you? What are you doing? I see your like bike and your skis and you're sleeping in this pit toilet. Mm-hmm. And he's like, looks like you're like on a really fun trip. He's like, are you going to climb Mount Stewart? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to ski the uh, Ulrich's Kuar. There's this line off the peak. And he's like, wow, that's really cool. You should come stay at my house when you're done. Um, and I was like, oh, where do you live? He said, Ellensburg. I was like, oh, that's like 75 miles out of the way. I'm like, I'm not going to go. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go. But in my head, I was like, I'm not going to go there. Like, bike 75 miles out of the way. Mm-hmm. But I climbed the peak, and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm by myself. Like, I'm solo. Why don't I just go? Like, I'm just going to bike there and see what happens. Yeah. So I biked, you know, 75 miles out of the way to this, like, random little town in Washington. And I texted him. And I was like, hey, I'm here. And he ended up letting me stay in his house for a week Mm. and just like was so stoked that he just like took me on kayak trips. He drove me to Mount Rainier, Mount Adams, Mount Helens. He just wanted to be a part of the trip. And he became like one of my best friends, this like 65 year old retired dude, you know? And it continued from there. Like he was following my trip and then went to go ski Denali and drive up to Alaska um, a couple months ago, about six months ago. Mm-hmm. And I texted him and I was like, Hey, like I was just being friendly. You know, I'm like, I'm driving through Washington. I want to stop by. Would you want to come to, to Denali with us? I was just being polite. Like oh, he's not going to come. And I was like, you could stay in the van and sleep in the van with us. Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm in. I'll tell my wife. So then all of a sudden I'm like committed with this 65 year old like retired dude like Uh for two months driving up to alaska with me and my friend in the van And he's gonna summit denali no no okay he just came to just accompany us on the adventure that's for moral support that's like harder than everest yeah yeah we called him coach glenn his name's glenn Uh uh-huh we called him coach glenn and he was just like between me and my climbing partner who's like my roommate we fought a lot and he was like our therapist. Yeah. Just this like 65 year old man, like following these like 20 something year old dudes and living in a van with us. Nice. And like, I just met this guy from like solo travel, like 
this really like serendipitous like moment where everything just worked out and spiraled into this like beautiful experience. And I have a lot of those type of things when I travel. That's amazing. Yeah, it was so great. And when we got to Denali, he flew onto the glacier with us, mm-hmm. um, took pictures. What, in a bush plane? or what? Yeah, in a bush plane. Oh, cool. Um, we landed on... Um, Shit, those are cool, man. Oh, dude, into the Alaska Range is so cool. Yeah. And then he took my van and drove around Alaska by himself <clears throat> and was just like our, our support. And it was just so oh, rad yeah. that I met this guy like in a pit toilet and decided because I was by myself, I could just go and do that. That speaks to a very particular type of person that would find you sleeping in a pit toilet and be like, this seems like a solid dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like he really could just see through the bullshit and just be like, this guy's on a a journey right now. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if I could say the same if I saw some just random bearded redhead sleeping in a toilet. (laughs) And I'd be like, ah, I might question this guy a little bit. Like, yeah. No, come on, stay in my house. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Were you covered head to toe in the blue shit too? No, thankfully yeah. I didn't get any. I didn't go in the pit toilet. <laughs> I didn't resort to that. Yeah. The storm wasn't that bad. Nice. That's a pretty crazy story. Coach Glenn. Coach Glenn. Props. Man. He's the man. Props to Coach Glenn. Hopefully he listens to the episode. Yeah, I hope so. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's... You meet some interesting people on the road. I, I'm trying to think of like, I know I've met some some strange people. I feel like one thing is that when you're traveling, I, f- I, I just feel like you're more inclined to meet people because if you're in your hometown, you're not really worried about trying to go out and meet people. But when you're traveling, yeah. you know, you want to meet people that know the area. You want to meet people that are are also traveling there just looking to do fun stuff, have experiences. Um, I actually met one of my, uh, one of my good friends, his name is Francesco. I met him with Anthony. Mm-hmm. We, when we went to Arco, the, the spot that we were discussing earlier, uh, after one of our climbing days, we found out that there was a little bit of deep water solo out on, what was that lake name? Uh, like, Garda or Lake Como? Yeah, yeah. Lake it was Garda. Garda. Yeah. Garda. Lake I think Garda. Como is a lot bigger. Okay. But yeah, so we rented this paddle boat and we paddled out to this uh, out to this wall out to this random wall on the side of the lake, and there was just this one other boat out there, and we saw that these guys were climbing. So after after a while, we ended up paddling over to their boat and be like, "Hey guys, what's going on?" Uh, and there was this guy uh, Francesco on the boat who was also a rock climber. Uh, and he was a really cool dude. He was telling us about the area, and he was from Italy. Uh, and we both decided to, uh, we all exchanged contact information. And I wasn't sure that I was ever going to see him again because he lives mm-hmm. in Europe, and that's pretty far away. But uh, the following year, so that was 2016, um, I actually hit him up on Facebook, and I was like, hey, man, like I'm looking to do an international trip. Uh, would you be interested in meeting up in in Spain? I really want to go deep water solo in Mallorca. And he was the only person I knew, so I, obviously I was hitting him up. But also it felt like a good person to ask because I met him deep water soloing. Um, and he was like, oh, I actually live in Barcelona now. Come on out. So after only meeting this guy for like 15 minutes on a boat in the middle of a lake, <laughs> he lets me come stay at his place for a week. 
we flew amazing. out to Mallorca, did some climbing, and we really hit it off. He's an awesome guy, and he's he's also a crazy adventurer. Right now, mm-hmm. he's biking. Is he doing from top to bottom? South from, Africa to Italy. Oh, South Africa to Italy on a bike. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. So that's he's another insane. crazy guy. And That's he, like three, 4,000 miles? It's crazy. Yeah, and he's solo. And you have to... Oh, oh my God, that's a yeah. really... Wait, yeah. is he going through the... Uh, Strait of Gibraltar or through like the Middle East? He's just heading straight up the east side of Africa. So he's hit like um, Tanzania, Zanzibar, Kenya. Um, so yeah. yeah, he's basically just following the east side. You're going to have to get him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Fly him out here. Hope so. He's a badass. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy how you can make connections. Um, have you guys ever just randomly ran into someone while you're out? Like that we know? Like Yeah, that you know. Oh, yeah, all the time. Really? Mm-hmm. Where, where at? Oh, New Zealand. And it's not, maybe it's not, like, quite direct <clears throat> like that. Like, I mm-hmm. know this person, but it's like, I talked to this person for 10 seconds, realized they lived in Salt Lake City and know about half my friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that happens. Who'd you run into in... New Zealand. Um, his name is Phil. Um, he's and th- this is not just one person. There's several people, um, uh-huh. but his name is Phil. And I was just like at this hostel, um, kind of just waiting out a storm. And I was talking to my friend who's from the UK. I was talking about Salt Lake City. Of course, I was raving about Salt Lake City in another yeah. country. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just hear like Salt Lake City. That's where I'm from. And then ended up meeting this guy. And I went skiing with him last week too. Um, yeah, that's you know, awesome. we just meet in this random hostel in New Zealand. That happens all the time, all the time. Yeah, I, I was in Prague when I was like, you know, same trip, twenty two, and I had, um, as a preface, I was in Berlin, and we were on the rooftop of this like crazy hostel in downtown Berlin and I overheard someone's conversation. The radio head was playing in Prague in two days. And so I was just like, I've got an unlimited train pass. I'm going to Prague like right now. So I jumped on a train, went to Prague, met this guy on the train. And then we like split ways at the train station. And, um, and then I like woke up in the hostel and he was just there like across the, in the bunk across from me and he's like you guys weren't spooning no and he just like um he's like hey man good to see you again he's like you want to you want to smoke a joint and i was like all right let's do it and we we like walked out to the street and we got stoned and then we uh we walked back in and he's like um this is the day of the radiohead concert as well i i believe and He's like, I heard they, they have breakfast in the basement. And so we're like, okay, let's go check it out, see if we can get some food. So we walked downstairs and like, I think we were pretty high, but it was like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> like they had, they had three people running the thing like chefs making crepes. And they had a full spread. It was like a five-star hotel's breakfast spread. And we were just blown away. Because it was just this, like, normal hostel. It had, like, you know, 100, 200 people in it. So it was kind of big. But the breakfast was, like, this incredible thing. And we shared this, like, 
experience and then went to the Radiohead concert together, met these amazing Sicilians that like gave us food and were so nice to us. We had a weird run in with the police. And then later he, you know, he was from Salt Lake City. We, we like pieced this together oh, wow. when, when, when we met each other. And then later, you know, he just showed up to like a house party at my house <laughs> here in Salt Lake and it, and I've kept in touch with him. Yeah. Tyson. My, yeah. That's awesome. Just dude that I've like stayed in touch with ever since. So yeah, it was really funny to like meet up with him and, you know, figure out that we both were from Salt Lake city and, and yeah. And then meet up later all the way across the world. You have like an instant connection with people when you find out they're from like the same city as you. It's just like, it's like magic. Like you don't even need to be like really similar. It's just like, yeah, I'm stoked you're from the same place as me and your <laughs> you friends can relate yeah for sure that's awesome yeah it was a pretty crazy thing i i had i've had other experiences where i've met up with someone and then ran into them like i i met one guy in thailand hung out with him for a couple of days and then you know parted ways and then was in indonesia months later and just like got out of a cab in a completely like random part of Jakarta where it's not touristy at all. And just like was face to face with this guy. (laughs) And I was like, this is thousands of miles away. And I was like, what? It takes, dude, it takes, and this guy's also from Salt Lake. So he also came to a house party here, like (laughs) at a barbecue or something. But yeah, it was so weird to just run into him and we, you know, went out and played some pool and hung out before he left town. But it was, it was crazy. It's bizarre. Um, just in, in New Zealand, I was hiking this really random trail with like my friends from Maryland and, uh, I'm hiking down the trail and I see my buddy Joel, like, I didn't even know he was in New Zealand. I had no clue. We were, we're 8,000 miles away from Salt Lake city. Yeah. And I'm hiking this like remote trail and it's like, hi, hi, Joel. He's like, hi, Anthony. And we're just staring at each other, right? (laughs) Oh my God. And I'm like, you want to come run 60 miles with me tomorrow? He's like, yeah, sure. And then we just formulated this plan and we ran the, the Milford Sound track. It wasn't 60 miles, like 40 or 50 miles. Yeah. Um, but one of the great walks in New Zealand and we just ran it after meeting on this random trail in new zealand damn what are the odds dude i know it's small lake city though it's like it happens i mean not only do you run into someone that you know but someone that you know that can Can run run 50 50 miles miles. (laughs) like seriously (laughs) but it just makes for the best like experiences because you're just so stoked that you're like with someone who's you know got that background Mm -hmm. and uh Dude, I bet you and when you're in Peru, you're going to find someone from Salt Lake City. We'll see. We'll see. I know I, so. um, I know a few people that are going down to Patagonia, but I already know that they're going to be there, so I guess that doesn't count. Yeah. I know two people that are in Patagonia right now from Salt Lake, so <laughs> you're bound. seems like a good choice or a good chance, yeah. I might see them. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. We'll have to follow up after you go on that trip. How long are you going for? Uh, so I'll be gone for five weeks. Um, I'll be going at the end of, at the end of March, I'll be in Patagonia for two and a half weeks. 
uh, going to two different national parks there. And then I'll be in Peru for uh, another two and a half weeks. That's um, going to be incredible. I'm, I'm stoked, man. This is, uh, th- it'll be my biggest adventure yet. I haven't done any ad- adventures quite as big as Anthony, but this will be, this will be a big one for me. Yeah. That's going to be an awesome trip. I'll, I'll definitely have to have you on the show after that. Oh, I'm sure I'll have some stories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. You got to make some and come back. Um, well, I think we're at just about an hour of, uh, of recording. I think we'll, we'll wrap this episode up, but I hope you guys can come back on at, at some point and tell us some more stories. Cause those were pretty awesome. I definitely want to hear this story of you getting trapped on a glacier at some point, Anthony. Yeah. That... You were trapped on a glacier for how long? Eight days. Okay. With four days of food. Next time Anthony's on. <laughs> That's an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> That's an adventure. <laughs> Total adventure. To the extreme. All right. Cool. Well, thank you guys for coming on. I yeah. Really thanks for having us. Fun, it was man. great. All right. And thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, take care until next time. See ya. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Strange Places. If you like the show, please take a moment to leave us a good review or share this episode on social media or just tell your friends about it in real life. Imagine that. Each good review or share really does go a long way, so thanks in advance. You can also subscribe to get more episodes. Just search for Strange Places wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love to travel, you should check out flightsmachine.com where you can get alerts when flight prices drop at your home airport. Each week, you'll get alerts for huge drops in airfare to destinations in the U.S. and all over the world. Join for free or visit flightsmachine.com strangeplaces for 50% off your first six months of all-access membership. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.